All right, so we should be good to go now. Thank you so much for agreeing to participate. So could you please share your healthcare story with us? Yes. So there I was, trapped in a Northwestern hospital with blizzard conditions and negative one degree Fahrenheit temperature. Struck by preeclampsia at 30 weeks pregnant with 155 over 115 blood pressure, I began to hallucinate and see multicolored images. The well below freezing conditions created barriers to care, particularly around transport. The rural hospital lacked patient-centered care or shared decision-making skills, multiplying my fear and my sense of vulnerability. During my seven-month pregnancy, I experienced extraordinary stressors those stressors that never fit within what research data deemed at risk. Our family experienced a flood in our home. I fractured my hand due to an inchondroma, which led to pregnancy trauma and the loss of my son's identical twin in utero. I closed my successful small business due to industry changes. I developed swine flu at six months pregnant without access to our rural hospital, advised to rest at home as going to the hospital posed a higher risk. I got called for jury duty while recovering from the swine flu and told that I made up the whole story of having swine flu while pregnant, as I would otherwise be dead. I had reconstructive surgery on my hand to repair the inchondroma that uncovered hidden preeclampsia and saved my life and that of my son. On the night of December 8th, we experienced unprecedented snowfall, followed by a deep freeze. Emerging from the bear block after hand surgery, several physicians were too busy and discharged me sight unseen. A brand new nurse right out of nursing school evaluated me to discover my 155 over 115 blood pressure. Her every attempt to alert nursing management and the physician went unyielded and ignored. She advised that I walk myself to the birthing center and ask to be evaluated, where they quickly responded by placing me in a bed and observing me for several hours. In the early evening hours, my obstetrician came to evaluate me to determine if my condition required being airlifted to a regional hospital with a neonatal intensive care unit. Standing at the foot of my bed, several physicians discussed my case as if I were not present. I offered my input that I purchased airlift insurance, and that shaped the conversation. An hour later, quietly sitting in my curtained-off room, I heard rustling outside the room and several people talking. The sound of curtain rings and the curtain opening were profound as a critical care nurse and paramedic in red jackets entered with a yellow gurney and blue sleeping bag like wrap. At that moment, I knew with comfort that my life would be saved. They transported me by ambulance to a fixed-wing plane, 
over a 5,500-foot mountain and again by ambulance to the regional hospital, known for being a world-class patient and family-centered care hospital. The distinguishing characteristics between the two hospitals were profound. The first hospital felt so disorganized and disengaged that if they did have the clinical ability to care for me, they had no systems in place nor the motivation to improve patient outcomes. They operated in silos. The second hospital felt like the Nutcracker Ballet, perfectly curated, planned, and trauma-informed. Multiple physicians and nurses responded to my incoming transport, though it felt like one collective whole working together with my life as their mission. This mission-driven commitment embedded in me a sense of courage, strength, and trust. Four days later, my son was born at 1,131 grams at 30 weeks, three days. With no healthcare complications, we spent 56 days in the NICU and then discharged home. Through our NICU stay at this world-class hospital, I discovered servant leadership, a leadership paradigm that seeks to equip those being served as healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, and therefore likely to serve others. As our family healed, I made a commitment to give back to healthcare systems and use our story to transform and inspire healthcare, to learn about servant leadership and practice it in healthcare systems. I now have a Master of Arts in Organizational Leadership with a concentration in servant leadership. And I just started work on my PhD in leadership studies. My time here has shaped my desire to one day become a research assistant and one day a researcher. As for my now nine-year-old son, he's healthy and strong, while also the kindest young man with a great sense of humor. Thank you for this exceptional opportunity. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. Um, I just have a few follow-up questions. Um, so you mentioned um, this experience that you had with your first hospital, um, dealing with the preeclampsia, and then being transferred to your second hospital. So could you maybe talk a little bit about what the first hospital could have done better in terms of the health care that you received? That's a great question. I honestly believe that characteristics of leadership need to be embedded into our healthcare systems. That is the emotional intelligence, the interpersonal development, the listening, the empathy, healing, and having foresight. And that foresight is, in a lot of ways, building the systems so that it doesn't feel like a surprise when there is a healthcare issue mm -hmm. that they've practiced and they've prepared in advance. Mm -hmm. Right. And what do you feel the second hospital did really well in terms of um, the healthcare that you received? 
I believe very strongly in patient and family-centered care. This particular hospital went well above and beyond patient and family-centered care. And I believe in many ways it came from their executive team, where they really brought to light their mission, their mission to care for the patient. It was more than just a, an idea. It was something that was in the DNA of every staff person. And it was because of that that I feel really created the transformation. And so many people don't necessarily know the term servant leadership, though they are living it and they're breathing it. And organizations that are successful and healthy and doing transformative work are doing that. In particular, uh, one of the most profound people on the team of healthcare providers was a non-clinical role. It was the uh, person that would clean my room every day. It was the person who um, was in an EVS role, environmental services. It was someone who would check in with me during those 56 days. How was your son today? It was the person working in the uh, cafeteria who was putting chips on, 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 a, on a rack and saying, oh, how are you today? It was these unexpected roles that was really highlighted just the whole the wholeheartedness of the organization mm-hmm. that's really great and so i guess how could the healthcare system have improved your experiences i think in a lot of ways i had a profoundly wonderful experience at at my second hospital. Mm -hmm. But I think, honestly, that, and I think in many ways this has changed over time, I was not classified as high risk despite all of my external circumstances. I went to my doctor in early October, Mm -hmm. and I said, I'm in an extreme stressful situation. And his response to me was, but you don't fit within the statistical categories of a high-risk pregnancy. You don't smoke, you don't do drugs, you're not low income. And he listed off a number of different social determinants for care. Mm -hmm. And it was because of that I did not get flagged as being high risk. Even when I got the swine flu and I was unable to get medical care beyond our small clinic with a physician's assistant, Mm -hmm. they did not flag me as high risk Mm -hmm. because I did not fit within the data set. So how do you think that should be changed? I'm a strong believer in the idea that listening is an incredibly powerful characteristic that leads to empathy. Mm -hmm. And as a provider and as the social community is deeply listening, they're able to then use the data, but then apply it in a in, a, in, a, in an active situation. Mm-hmm. Because the data is very important to look at standards, but every single individual is different. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that.